So Chef Shen, you were doing some amazing things on a culinary way in the Chicago area underground. You made a name for yourself with the School for Hospitality and boom, you're in Los Angeles. So tell us, how does it feel to be in LA at this wonderful new establishment called Nico X? Or Niku X, rather. Niku X, yes. Uh, great. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, I mean, you mentioned the underground whole movement. That was a long time ago where, you know, it was kind of humble beginnings for me. I was cooking wherever I got the opportunity to, uh, art galleries, people's homes, basically anybody with a kitchen that allowed me to cook, that's where I would do it. And uh, it allowed me to kind of get my name out there and eventually start uh, my restaurant, Bon Soiree, which ended up getting a Michelin star eventually years later. Um, and spent the majority of my career in Chicago. And, uh, you know, I still like Chicago a lot, but after moving to LA, I've uh, been here about three months now. Uh, and I'm uh, here in the arts district. Uh, I really love it so far. Um, and that and working on Niku X, which is a really cool project because it's based on, uh, the fact that we own, a, a kettle ranch. And so we use all these wonderful Wagyu beef, which is a Japanese breed of cattle that is highly prized. And we have our own farms where they're fed a very strict Japanese diet. Um, and we're really excited to work with uh, products like that. And that's what I think chefs get excited about. It's why we do what we do is, you know, we get to work with these great products that you don't, you know, not everybody has the luxury of, of, of seeing and, and feeling. So that's what excites me. Um, but yeah, after been been in LA for three months, love it so far. I'm I'm sure I'm going to enjoy the uh, LA winter, which uh, in Chicago it's pretty rough. So yeah, tremendous difference between Chicago and uh, LA weather in the winter, especially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, you said you said a lot of amazing things. One of which was the Michelin star. So people. So for people that don't understand the Michelin star, it's a, I think the, top, the highest rating is a number is a three stars. And that's when you actually travel to go or to a destination or go see a chef or go somewhere out of the country or make a detour to taste a dish. Um, when you receive that star, how did it make you feel? What was going on in your mind? Um, it was a little bit unexpected at the time. Uh, we were just cooking food that we love to cook and we were just showing, you know, the passion that we have for the food and putting it on a plate. Uh, and it's kind of like the culmination of all of our experience in the restaurant industry and cooking all those years. And really it's, it was, a, it's just, you know, it's a great feeling just to, to get recognized uh, for a lot of hard work that you put in over the years. Uh, and what, what year was this in? Uh, my first one was in 2011 or 2012. So quite a few years ago. And then, uh, yeah, it allows us to, to do other, you know, um, 
when you get recognized, you know, everybody looks at it as uh, kind of a, I don't know, it's, a, it's like a business opportunity for a lot of, you know, people look at the star and they're like, wow, I want to be part of that. So it's, I get all these inquiries about opening restaurants together and, and things like that. So that's, it opens up a lot of doors. So that was a cool thing. Um, but also, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, about the passion of the food. I think that's, I'm glad that me being passionate about the food that that shined through and that people were able to recognize it. So I guess that's what, um, felt like it was an accomplishment from that standpoint. And did you get this, you, you got, you received this star for the actual dish or for the restaurant? Oh, for the restaurant. Um, yeah, but they, they say that they, they look at the food mostly, right? So they don't take too much consideration on the atmosphere, but they, they kind of focus in on the detail of the food. Do you remember, um, do you remember what you cooked that night? What, you, what was prepared? Well, it's not a single night. It's uh, the big thing with Michelin is that they recognize restaurants that have consistency. So it's not one time they visit. They visit six or seven or eight or ten times over the course of a year um, to get awarded that star. They want to make sure that anybody can cook a great meal on one night, but can you do it 365 days a year? That's the really hard part about the restaurant business, right? Um, so um, they're, they're very inconspicuous about when they come in. Uh, and so we have no idea who these people are. <laughs> and where was where, where was the actual uh, venue located at the time? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Where, where, was the, where, was, where was this restaurant located when they visited? When you went, when oh, you, in, when you... Uh, in Chicago in the Logan Square neighborhood. Okay. So Logan Square, which side of town is that on? I've been to Chicago so many times, I don't know. I can't... Uh, it's on the it's on the north side. Right, north side. So that's near like it's not too far off from the downtown area, kind of, right? Yeah, it's probably only about fifteen minutes from downtown. Yeah, is that is that near the Gold Coast area? Uh Gold Coast is like right next to downtown. Oh. So so you know, probably 10, 15 minute drive from that restaurant, Bonsoir. Yeah. So when did you know you always wanted to be a chef? When you were a kid or? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a household where my dad worked for United Airlines, so we got to travel a lot. So uh, I got first exposed to food from all the different travels. Uh, my dad used to take me out of school for weeks at a time, told the teacher, hey, he's going to learn more with me than he is with you. So he'd take me out of school. And we just learn about different cultures. So I traveled all over Europe, all over Asia. And that's really where I first got exposed to food at a young age, just experiencing so many different cultures and the food there. Um, and my dad was really big into cooking food at home and trying to replicate recipes from his travels. And so that's, really where I first got interested in it. Um, also, my mother is Japanese. So uh, anybody that's uh, in a Japanese family will tell you that the food is such a big part of the culture in Japan that uh, it's like imperative to be a good cook if you're Japanese. 
So my mom was always cooking Japanese food and my dad was always cooking food from all these other different cultures. So I got exposed to a lot of different things at a young age. So I think that's what really got me interested in it. Was your dad a chef as well? And just, was this something he knew how to do well? No, he was, he was a home chef. Like it was a hobby of his, but he not professionally, you know, he worked for the airlines and, uh, uh, he was, a part of the training department. So he built like training programs and things like that. So he got to do a lot of traveling. And what kind of things did your dad do? Did he do, did he do, did he marinate? Did he use a lot of seasonings? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All about spices, uh, seasoning, marinating, um, just picking up different techniques and flavors um, from local people. And he, he spoke, five languages as well so we could communicate uh very well and kind of learn the culture what languages did he speak uh he spoke spanish italian english japanese and uh nepali Ooh. and can you speak any of those languages you probably speak 10 of them right <laughs> no 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 i only speak japanese and english so only two for me but uh yeah, Liga, who's not here, she actually speaks five languages. She was supposed to be on this call, but she speaks a bunch of languages. <laughs> so, so wow, that's amazing that you grew up like that. You had so much exposure to so many different cultures at such an early age, which is awesome. Um, and then you found yourself yeah. in Chicago, too, right? Yeah, well, actually, I went to... Uh, a traditional university at the University of Iowa and I was studying business and then I realized during that time I was actually doing a work study position uh, following a chef around with a catering company that's my kind of my my first professional experience cooking uh, but after I got exposed to the professional side I really found that I enjoyed it and then decided the following year I would uh, enroll in culinary school so when you when, when you were doing the cake, I, it, it's so interesting when you say that because I started out working at a deli in a, in a mall, and uh, at first I was like, "Why am I working here? I'm only 14 years old." But somebody wrote a letter, and nonetheless, I learned how to marinate and chop up thing. I don't think I was supposed to be doing half of that stuff, but it was so cool that I got exposure to like chopping onions and and uh, you know just using garlic powder and soy sauce and just treating that burger, making that patty juicy for the for the deli. Did you learn anything? Because for me, I mean, I feel like that was a, that was the start of my little culinary, my hobby, so to speak. <laughs> Did you? What were some? I think my video is working now. Can you see me? Oh yeah, I see you. Yeah. How you doing? Good. Okay. Right. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think what I really loved about it was like the pace, the fast pace of it all, and the the pressure. You know, when I first got into the professional kitchen, we were doing weddings and events and and uh we prepare all the meals and then we got there and we had to plate meals for like 250 people and it was like a really fast kind of pace um that kind of drew me into it and it was interesting to me you know, I just took that such a small amount of time and so that's the the operation of the restaurant you know is I think that's the trick is right being able to Cook at home is much different than cooking in a restaurant, you know, feeding 
as many people as you need to feed, getting the timing right, getting the all the cooking and the preparations correct. It's a lot of challenge. Um, and so there's a lot of things that need to be coordinated together um, to get the experience right. And it's not just the food, right? It, the food is one aspect of a restaurant, you know, and then there's the service aspect, there's the atmosphere. Um, there's so many little details and different things that go into running a successful restaurant, which is what I later found in my career is uh, that I like the challenge of it. I mean, there's, you could have all those things, right? You could have the food, the atmosphere, and the service all clicking really well, but you might not have marketing, right? And then you don't have people coming through the door. So, or maybe you're not in a very good location or there's just a, a whole number of things that make up the composition of the restaurant for its success that is intriguing. And there's really, I found no formula to make that a success, you know, you could have, it's not every restaurant has everything, but they can still succeed. Um, you know, you might have a, a really touristy destination that's in the best location, but their food's not that great, but they'll be packed every day, right? Or you could have the opposite where the food's the best, but you're not in a great location and the people just aren't coming through the door. Or or something else might not be right. So that's the, the interesting part about the restaurant business that I find fascinating. It's, and it takes so many different skill sets. So, you know, you need to be, you need an artist, you know, from the chef's perspective, you need a business person that can really understand the numbers and the food costs, the labor costs. You need marketing and being able to uh, it's more like psychology and getting into the minds of the people that are coming into your restaurant, right? It's, you know, how, how do you think like they think so that you can understand why or why they won't come in? Um, so those are the things that I think about every day as a restaurateur is um, how do we get as many of those details right so that we have the best chance to succeed? So. Yeah, like you said, sometimes, you know, to know your demographic is very important. And if you don't know your demographic, at least to know, to try, at least to try to understand or have a strong understanding of who you're serving and why you're serving them and why do they want to attend your restaurant. And I think a lot of people drop that ball, especially in the food and beverage industry. <clears throat> the pairing has to be, in my opinion, great as well. Uh, and speaking of pairing, uh, you mentioned you guys are doing this Wagyu cattle ranch which is a Japanese cow. Can you tell us a little bit about the cow's diet? Because I know those cows have a particular diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's pretty interesting because uh, we just visited the farm a couple months ago. Uh, it's quite an experience. Uh, so what they do early in their life is they kind of graze on the natural pastures. And they do that um, for several months um, and to kind of strengthen their stomach on the, uh, on the grass and before they move into a feeding lot where they have a very strict controlled Japanese diet, which uh, consists of several different uh, ingredients and grains. Um, they, so part of our diet is what we got going in our cows right now is 
rice straw, almond hulls, um, barley, and uh, alpha alpha sprouts. Uh, so there's a kind of a, a few different ingredients that uh, consist of the Japanese diet. Uh, but what's interesting is they, they still feed them the grass, but they wean them off of the grass until later in life they serve them more grains. Um, and that is because they are more developed to digest the grains later in life um, as they build up the the what the rice straw actually in the diet kind of conditions them to be able to handle these grains. And the grains is what makes the marbling in the meat is what makes it so desirable. So when you see a uh, high grade Wagyu beef from Japan and you look at that piece of meat, it's almost not red. It's like a pink color because there's so much marbling and fat interlaid inside of that meat as opposed to the outside. So the, yeah, so the goal is to get that, that marbling and the fat in the intramuscular parts of the beef, as opposed to just a fat cap layer on top where you're just going to cut that off and the flavor doesn't really melt into the beef. So that's what's really special about the, the Wagyu cattle is that uh, there are these black cows that are very uh, uh, conducive to that to developing that marbling in the muscle. And so when you put that meat on that piece of meat on a grill or you cook it, all that fat that's inside that meat is melting. And that's where that flavor is. That's where that prized flavor comes from. So. Thanks for breaking that down. Cause you know, I've had Wagyu and I'm like, Ooh, it's so good. But sometimes <laughs> like, I, I knew they fed them differently and they had like a special diet and you know, they probably went to Equinox. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but the beef, the, the taste of it is so tender and it's so juicy and it's like, ah, oh, and it's so succulent. So I like, I think a lot of people want to know, like, you know, I'm glad you broke that down. Um, um, and in terms of everything you spoke about, what makes, makes a successful restaurant. Now that you fast forwarded from Chicago and you had your success there, now you're in LA with Nico X. What are you expecting? What kind of feedback are you looking for with Nico X and why? And can you break it down? Like you said before, how, how are you going to market it? Um, who, like, what's the atmosphere like? And so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so we are a yakiniku restaurant, which is a Japanese barbecue. It's basically breaks down to Japanese barbecue. So we have these grills on the table that, um, you know, as, as a group, you can enjoy kind of a, a feast, so to speak. And so we want to present the best way to enjoy Wagyu beef on your grill top. And so we're going to cut the beef in different ways. And we have different options of different cuts of beef that have different textures, different tastes, different flavors. Uh, and then there's a creative aspect as well. Um, using my culinary background is the side dishes and the sauces that go along with it. So we'll have several different sauces and accompaniments, pickles, uh, flavored salts, things of that nature, all to be accompanied with the different cuts of beef. And so 
when you come in, we want to kind of educate our diners on the, what we believe is the best way to experience our Wagyu from our ranch. Um, and so that's kind of the gist of the, the, the concept in our, and how we're going to market it as well. Um, but there, yeah, there'll be an aspect of it where you can do the barbecue menu, which is really like a, two different set menus to choose from where we can curate the experience for the guests. Um, cause I think for me, when I go to a restaurant, I don't like to make a lot of decisions. And so if, if more, if more of the decisions can be made for the guests and curated for the guest experience, I think that's the route that we want to take. Um, well, there will be some options in terms of, uh, you know, what kind of cuts of meat you, you'd want to do like for example if you don't really like too much of a fatty or rich meal we can have something on the lighter side um so we'll have like different options um like that to curate to the individual as well we'll also have a part of the restaurant a small part of the restaurant where it's tasting menu only and there aren't actually grills but it'll be more uh, a chef's tasting menu style where we will be cooking. Diff- uh, there'll be Wagyu involved as well, but we'll be cooking it on our Japanese binchotan coals, um, which is a, it's basically a, a grill, a special grill that we have designed to hold these Japanese coals um, that produce a really high heat and it adds a juiciness and a flavor to the things that you cook on it, um, different from what you would get on a normal grill. So that's something that uh, we're working on and will be part of the UX, the, the tasting menu. Will this, um, with, with these uh, grills at the table and the, 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 this, uh, this cold grill that you mentioned, are these going to be operated by the customer or operated by you all? They're going to be operated by our servers. However, we will also give the opportunity for the guests to try it out because some people will want to have that experience as well. So, you know, we'll probably, we'll do the first one for them so that they can understand how we like to cook the meat. And then anybody that would like to try, they'll have that opportunity as well. And then before I forget, and I know people want to know, because, you know, everybody's on all these different diets. I've, I've been on, like, numerous types of diets over the pandemic. So <laughs> what about yeah. some, would there be any vegan options for people that, that don't want to indulge in the meat? So we will have some uh, vegetables and side dishes and a couple of a la carte menu items that will be available. So, you know, uh-huh. if you are a vegan and you got roped into coming to Nico X with your party at eight and you didn't really want to be there. We will have something for you. <laughs> and then, um, what's the price point going to be per person with this experience that yeah. I guess on average? Yeah. So the, the experience for the, the Wagyu, um, uh, I don't know what we're calling it. Not a Wagyu feast, but, uh, the grill, the barbecue menu, uh, we'll start at $148 for the domestic for the domestic tasting. Um, so that includes a full meal. So we will also have uh, an, uh, a version 
which is not domestic and not from our ranch, but actually the Japanese A5 Wagyu, uh, which is a little bit more expensive. Can't give you a price on that right now, but uh, that, that will be an option. And then what makes the Wagyu A5? Can you that's, just, that's just the, gr- the grade of oh, the right. marbling of the beef. That's the highest grade um, okay. is, the, is the A5. Um, so when you hear of A, A5 from Japan, it's the best of the best. Um, and it becomes very expensive. Nice. So I'll, I'll be sure to say your name. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so I was going to ask you, so it sounds like the menu is set. What about the decor? Are you guys going to go with the more traditional Japanese decor or is it going to be more modern? Yeah, I'll, uh, if the marketing team hasn't sent some photos already, uh, maybe they'll, uh, I can get them to do that. But uh, it's going to be very modern. Okay. Um, so one of the cool elements that we have in the restaurant is this Japanese charred wood. It's called shosugiban, which is a Japanese technique they used in ancient times where they actually charred the wood and they would use it as siding on their homes. And the reason they did this is because it became very resistant to fires because it was already charred. There was nothing much left of it to burn. And so it would have a very difficult time catching fire. Um, And it has this really cool... Uh, rustic modern look to it because you can see all the, the grains in the wood and it's just like this black wood wood paneling. So we have that in a good amount of space in our restaurant. Um, and then we also have these like cool private rooms type things with these screens that come down. Um, they're like these Asian looking screens that will just come down to cordon off the private rooms. But yeah, well, let's get you some photos of Niku X. And there are some things that we're adding that is not currently on uh, on any of the photos because we are doing some upgrades to it. Uh, one is a wine cellar that we'll have in the, in the middle of the dining room, as well as uh, several dry agers uh, that will be built in a wall on display. So you'll be able to walk by and see the meat in these dry agers. Um, and yeah, that'll be the meat that will be cooking for the guests. So. Yeah, it sounds like a very, very, very cool experience. I love the way you, you uh, d- describe the partitions of the Japanese paper coming down. That sounds like a cool way to uh, segment, se- separate the rooms and the, for the dining area. Let's, uh, what about the... Uh, the drink. You, you talked about the wine. You spoke about that. I'm assuming these wines are going to be from all over the country or the world. Um, yeah, we'll have a, yeah, we'll have a pretty eclectic global wine list as well as uh, a sake list. So some Japanese yeah. sakes um, that we'll curate, uh, Japanese beer. And then we'll have a cocktail list that we're working with our beverage director on to kind of pair with food. Um, so we'll have, we'll, we'll do something special for that, but uh, it's something where it's a work in progress right now where we're uh, taking some of our menu items and trying to pair them with cocktails, things of that nature. Nice. So you're going to have a resident uh, mixologist on deck? For sure. 
Yeah, you definitely have to. But it sounds yep. like an amazing site. And what about the dessert list? Have you guys gotten that together? Yeah, we'll have uh, something light for desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think we're going to keep our desserts light because the Wagyu tends to be a little bit heavy and, you know, we don't want to overwhelm you. So something that's going to be refreshing at the end for sure. Nice. And then you guys are located, you're going to be located in the art district. So that's like sixth and main or something. Oh, no, no. Uh, I live in the arts district, but oh. we're actually, we're actually located downtown uh, in the intercontinental hotel. Nice. So how did you all, how did you all um, locate this space? Um, so our owners, one of our one of our partners, uh, came friendly with somebody that uh, space. I don't know the full story, but we're able to strike a deal at a good price. So it used to be a Korean barbecue restaurant that closed during the pandemic. We're actually. I don't think the restaurant ever opened. They were about to open and then the pandemic happened and then the plans kind of fell through. And then, so they had this beautiful built out space already. Um, and it was kind of perfect for the ideas that our partner Harvey, he already, he already had for the space. And then, uh, it, it was just a deal that made sense because everything was already there. The grills are already there. Kitchen is beautiful. Uh, had to very do very minimal to it, so we just kind of put our own touches on it, like the dry agers, the wine cooler. We're doing some stuff with the the wall behind the the back bar. We're gonna be uh, kind of putting our own touches on it. But what level will you be? What level of the hotel will you be in? Um. So the actual. Restaurant is on the second level, but you can see it from the ground level. So, like, as you're approaching the entrance of the hotel, it's a big, what is uh, it's a big restaurant right on the left hand side, and you just walk up one flight of stairs, and that's where it is. Nice. So, I'm sure you're excited about this whole process. Is there anything else you wanted to um, add about the? about your transition from Chicago to LA or what are you looking forward to or just anything else you're working on and above the um, bridge project? I mean, the one thing I will say about what I'm excited about for LA is the amount of great produce, uh, you know, even seafood, right? Because we're close to the ocean. So it's like, there's a lot more that I have here to work with than I did in Chicago. So like, that's something that I'm really excited about as a chef and looking forward to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you get to, yeah, you are not, like I love Chicago scene. It's very, uh, heavy pasta. I love, love the upside down pizzas. <laughs> I think they're great. Yeah. But, um, like you said, sometimes you want some seafood and, you know, having it flown in, you already know it's not as fresh as it could be. Um, yeah. Yeah, that way you have to overcompensate with butter and bread and more butter and bread and garlic. Yeah. And <laughs> but, but um, yeah, it sounds like an amazing, uh, it's gonna be an amazing establishment, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the team is as well. Is there anything you will, uh, I guess, say to someone who is aspiring to be a chef, starting their own restaurant, going through your whole motions that you did? Is there any words of encouragement or advice you can offer them? 
Um, I think the biggest thing that I could say for aspiring chef is just make sure passion is strong because it's a it's an industry that's very difficult to be in. There's a lot of not only difficult as a business, right? Because a lot of restaurants fail, but physically and mentally demanding. You're on your feet all day as a chef. You are working a lot of times, holidays, night, obviously working weekends, right? So like, there's a lot of sacrifices that you're going to need to put in as a young chef. And in order to make sure that that's worthwhile, you know, you have to be hundred percent passionate about what you do. So that's the, the only real advice I would, I would say. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand the operations level of working in a restaurant, even a small restaurant, but your restaurant, I mean, that sounds like a, you know, you guys are going to have your hands full. And speaking of which, before I go, I wanted to just ask you, I was just in LA this past weekend and I was just kind of like torn to pieces a little bit. So I was taking a walk down the street from Santa Monica downtown to downtown Culver City, um, where, I, where we have a live workspace over there as well. I was just a little bit torn because I just saw so many like homeless people and so many people have been affected by the pandemic. Um, and with your restaurant being so top notch and upscale, are you guys going to be doing anything to help the people that have been affected most in your surrounding area? Yes, that's the plan. That's the uh... Definitely in our plans, we want to do something to give back to the community. Um, our immediate area has been, you know, in downtown has been affected quite a bit. And it's something that I noticed right away when I moved to L.A. is um, the amount, you know, it's a, it's a problem. And it's not an easy problem to solve, right? It's, it's everybody has ideas and solutions, but I think it's going to take a greater effort from not, not government, but private companies, organizations, restaurants, you know, everyone in order to help curb the, the problem. Um, yeah, but it's sad. You know, I, my journey from, um, from the arts district to the restaurant is a drive through Skid Row. So I'm, I see it every day. Um, and it's, it's, a problem that we have have not fully tackled, uh, but I'm very down to be part of uh, the solution, and you know we'll do what we can. Oh, great! That's good to know. But let us know. We, we would love to help you guys out with that as well. But um, it was a pleasure speaking to you, um, Chef Shen. I mean, you're super talented. You know, you have to be living under a bus not to know what the Michelin star is. So. <laughs> So, you know, Michelin stars are like, to me, they're like the Academy Awards of food and then the James Beard Awards are like the Grammys. And a lot of it, and, and here I know James Beard Foundation is out of Chicago, from my understanding, but it's just so amazing to um, see finally some, you know, people are going to see what I've been talking about all these decades. Chicago, 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 you know, because you guys have such great cooks and chefs and just everybody is such, the, the gastronomy is so amazing down there. And you guys are so laborious. So I look forward to this, this, uh, I look forward to this, this new, I guess this new emerging. Cause I feel like the Japanese barbecue is uh, still emerging. We have a little Tokyo area, but I feel like with your restaurant, you're going to be like one of the premier ones that people are going to want to go there. So 
I think you're going to make a big splash into the market and people are going to be very proud and happy that we have such a great culinary scene because people like you who are making those moves and taking these big risks are coming to a market that's so like, it's just a different market, but you know, the price points, they fit very well in the Los Angeles market and for like some type of customer. So you're going to be, you know, you're going to be most talked about. So I'm excited to see this because, you know, I'm so, so tired of hearing about the same steakhouses and Korean barbecues. It's just a great breath of fresh air. Um, it's extremely refreshing to hear that you're coming here with your expertise and then your your background, your immense background of um, cooking and culinary. It's just, it's just beautiful. So thank you oh, thank so, much, you so much. much. Yeah. So thank you so much for stopping by and we really appreciate that. And we want to, we want to, we want to, we want to make sure we're going to keep in touch with you and we'll keep in touch with, your, with, with, with all your camp to see how things are going. And if we can do that, that'd be wonderful. Um, and then, sure. you know, and feel free to drop us a line time to time. And we'll also, um, you know, help promote it as well. And we'll help, you know, stay in touch via social to see how things are going from that aspect as well. But thank you so much for dropping by. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time as well. I appreciate you.